Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. So are we doomed? What fresh hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. It's going to be pretty different around here. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. It's really, really hard. Really hard. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. When your husband runs the vacuum, tell him how hot that is. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we are wondering, is the pandemic harder on moms? Yes, it is. (laughs) Guys, that's a short episode this week. But thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter. I went to uh, Instagram. I put this up on our Instagram page. We're on Instagram at What Fresh Hell Cast. And I said, is the pandemic harder on moms in our story? And it was 90-10. said, yes, it is. Who are the 10% of people who are A- following our Instagram and also think it's not harder on moms. Yeah, the trolls. I feel that's a strange Venn diagram. Those were the spots, the voting now. <laughs> no, I mean, I guess I can see it. I actually, I have thoughts on this that are possibly slightly controversial, but set us up and then we'll lead in. Well, this topic was suggested, as so many of our topics are, by one of our listeners in our Facebook group which is also at What Fresh Hell Cast. Sarah got this topic going and there was a huge response. And I'm like, oh, great. This is a great episode idea. So can I read you what Sarah said? Please do. She says she's in South Carolina. Things aren't going great here. Schools are open one or two days a week based on community spread. My coworker was just telling me about a rodeo he went to on Saturday. I'm so frustrated that we have football, not just NFL, but little kids, soccer, rodeos happening, but kids can't go to school every day. And then I realized, guess who the vast majority is playing football, going to rodeos, watching sports, and making money off these things? Men. Guess who has to quit their job, modify their hours, or step back from a big promotion, or work all night weekends so that they can teach their kids at home? Women, this is a sexist pandemic, said Sarah. Oh, Sarah did not come to play with that post. No, 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 no. I mean, I think that's one angle. There are many other angles, but I thought, okay, this is, I kind of get what she's saying. Some of the priorities around what we need to open first are certainly skewed, not in favor of our kids being in school. Yeah. I mean, I think this is, and I have heard people say a lot, the economy, nothing can run until kids are in school. And that's true, but that hasn't really worked out. And so 
I mean, I don't think Sarah is implying it. I don't think it's true that like somewhere like at a smoke filled room, like people were like tapping their fingers together like Mr. Burns and being like, let's get the moms. Like that's not it wasn't planned to, you know, be sexist in that way. But as it has shaken out, the school's not being open. Speaking in broad strokes is a mom problem. Yes, I have a study for you. So the Syracuse University Learner Center of Public Health did a study of adults during this time. Over 80% of adults who aren't working right now because they have to care for somebody who's at home because they're not usually are women. Four out of five people who have stopped their usual work schedule are women. And so this study concluded that our not only our current earnings potential, but our future earnings potential, our career paths are being disproportionately sidelined by caregiving during COVID-19. Right. And so you're saying four out of five, right? Yeah. For the people who are listening and like hashtag not all men, hashtag I'm having this problem too. Like, right. It's not 100%, but it's the burden of it falls on women. Right. Because so another Sarah on our Facebook group was talking about the pay gap. This is true in my house, I think it's true in your house too, you tell me, that the man in the household is making more money than the woman in the household. For now. You know, we're talking here, many of these studies are about two-parent heterosexual households. So if that's not your household, please don't think that Margaret and I make the assumption that that's what a family is or should be. We get that there are all kinds of families and all kinds of people listening. But this problem is most uniquely laid out in a two-parent household with one male earner and one female earner. Yeah, and I think for the purposes of our discussion, right, you can basically replace mom, woman, with primary home caregiver, right? Isn't that what we're talking about? Yes, but the statistics show that that person is... Female. Almost always the female. Right now, in a two-female household, one is the earner and one is the primary caregiver. I get that. But right, if the choice has to be made... It is usually the woman right now who steps back because we do make, what is it, 83 cents on the dollar? Like, we're already a little bit behind. So if one of us has to cut back on our work hours right now, it's going to be the woman. And then that just is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yep. So are we doomed? Is that where we are? Now we're five minutes in. We're like, sorry, guys, doomed. Okay. Talk to you next week. Follow us on Twitter. Talk to you next week. Gosh, this is a short episode. (laughs) And scene. I always like to start with like, here's why it's a problem and here are the parameters of the problem because whether it's do kids whine too much or is this a sexist pandemic, I think first we have to be like, is this something we're supposed to be upset about or is this in our heads or is this something where, is this a story we're telling ourselves that this is harder on us or is it a thing? It's a thing. It's not. No. Yeah. I mean, we know that it's a thing and it's a problem, but let's talk a little bit about like examples of how this is a big problem. Layla, she's a teacher who listens to our show, and she pointed out the, again, this will be obvious to 100% of us listening, but let's just say Layla's saying she has proof. She's watching her young students learning at home. She has 19 kids in her class. 18 kids have a female parent sitting with them, emailing her, you know, making the learning happen. Only one out of the 19 kids has a dad in that role. Right. And this is the problem is the amount of bandwidth that our homes are taking has become exponential and nothing else has changed, kind of. Right. I mean, I think the problem is, yes. I mean, Amy and I 
have had to completely adjust the way that we work because I now have two days a week where I have kids at home who I am homeschooling and that is seven hours of my day. And that's a big change in my life that, and because my husband is the quote unquote real breadwinner of our family, I let him work pretty much. And even he, he's, my husband's very involved and like he's doing a lot of it and it's changed his life as well. But for a lot of people, it's like back to work you go, everybody. And I did at some point sit down with my husband and it was very early on where he, you know, about two weeks in where he was like, okay, he works at home. So he's always been like going downstairs at nine o'clock, coming up at six, <laughs> what's for dinner? And he's like, okay, see you later. And I was like, whoa, 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 slow your roll. Like I, it is not my job to have your company think the pandemic is not happening. Like that is not, I'm not signing up for that. Like you've got to be able to say, listen, I can do this meeting. I can fill out this form, whatever. That's a hilarious version of what my husband does. But I also have to be more available to my family during the hours of nine and three because my kids are homeschooling and I need to be part of that. But not everybody has a, I mean, my husband is, you know, he's with a company that he's not quite self-employed, but he's, you know, he's high enough up in the company that he has the ability to say that. A lot of people's husbands are working at jobs where it's like, we don't care. You want to keep your job? Come to work and do your job. Right. They don't think it's cute that the kid is walking by in the background or the dog's barking. Or like, Yeah, there are some people for whom that's not an option. So my husband runs a small team of people and they're all working from home right now. And he has been like making his omelets and even sometimes washing out his omelet pan. I like how you brought the omelets in, even though it's not germane to the conversation. Well, they are germane to the conversation because they've been, this is the problem, like he's home every day. Like they used to get an omelet at like the deli on the corner on the way to work, right? Now, like every morning it's no, in my kitchen. No, that omelet pan is really part of your life now. That omelet pan <laughs> is there. But he's making the omelet and sometimes even cleaning the omelet like while he's on an internal call. He's not going to do that while he's pitching, you know, the business, but he's going to, you know, unload the dishwasher or whatever while he's talking to the people he works with. And you know, sometimes I think he wants too many gold stars for that. But on the other hand, if you are in a position, any person who has employees under them who can be in the position of like, let's loosen this up a little bit, guys. Like sometimes we're going to unload the dishwasher and as long as we're on the call paying attention, it's okay. I think that's great if you can be a boss or have a boss who does that. But not, not everybody, everybody does. does. Not everybody does. And I mean, and another thing is Layla's talking about being a teacher. All the teachers I know are Back to teaching, they're teaching full time. You know, my kids in New York go two days a week, but the teachers teach five days a week because they have to set up, you know, five days worth of curriculum because there's asynchronous learning or whatever the heck. And so they are in the position where they're supposed to be at school teaching all day and they're having to hire somebody to come and be with their kids to do the mom job of sit there with them. Yes. And they're teachers. It's like they don't have wild amounts of disposable income to pay somebody full time to be at their house teaching their kids. It's really, really hard. Really hard. Yeah. I can think of more than one teacher I know who has had to step back on their own hours, you know, teach differently or step back from some additional jobs that they had taken on at the school, like to do less because they happen to have kids at home that they have to homeschool in the middle of all this. It's crazy. It's crazy, Amy. It's been a little crazy. Can I give you another sort of 
existing problem, like why this is hard. <laughs> sure. I'm not depressed enough. Please, Amy, give me more problems. <laughs> I want to like underline, like, here's why it's a problem, right? So one's the existing pay gap. And so we were the ones who were supposed to step back anyway, if somebody has to step back. And well, and we've talked about this way out of the context of the pandemic, right? Which is whenever there's somebody, if the kid's sick at home, who stays home with them? Right. Often it's the mom. I do think this is changing to some degree because I now know many more couples where the wife is earning more than the husband. And sometimes it's a little bit more flexible. But generally, it's like, okay, mom, step back and handle the stuff that goes wrong because your husband has an important business trip. It's so ingrained. So like yesterday, my daughter was home yesterday, sick, and was on the couch. And I was upstairs, like hiding in her bedroom trying to get... Actually, I was researching this episode for today. And she texted me from where she was on the couch downstairs to say, can you help me make an acai bowl? Am I such a latte limousine New Yorker right now that she wants an acai bowl for lunch? I don't even know what that means. Well, it's like, it's kind of like a smoothie. It's basically like a, we had them frozen. It's like a frozen yummy smoothie thing. And then you put cut up fruit and granola on it. And you know, it's yummy. It's like a smoothie in a bowl. You guys are fancy. She wants an acai bowl. <laughs> My kids are still on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but okay, you do you. So I'm saying it's basically like I feel like it's like sort of like ice cream for lunch that is, you know, I'm fooling myself is it's like the peanut M&Ms are a healthy snack thing and a soya bowl is a healthy lunch. I got it. I like it. Anyway, she texts me. Can I help her with it? And I say, okay, sure. You know, stop what I'm doing. Go downstairs to find out that my husband has been in the room with her. I mean, he's on a work call, but he's sitting there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she could have, like, scrawled on a piece of paper, can I have an acai bowl, and held it up. But her just, her ingrained assumption is if I need something. Mom helps me. Mom's going to get it. Even if dad is in the room with me. And that's kind of also his assumption. And it's kind of also my assumption, right? I wasn't. My first reaction wasn't like, isn't dad downstairs with you? I was like, okay, yeah, let me put this away and go do it. Well, my version of that is that this week, my husband has always worked at home and has always been very involved. He does the entire morning routine. I do nothing in the morning. He gets all the kids up dressed and gets them out to school because I do not function well in the mornings. And he does a ton around the house. I mean, he works really, really hard. But about 12 days ago, maybe 10 days ago, I because I am an oldie locks, was walking and fell down and sprained my ankle really, really badly. I was sure I broke it. Texted Amy to be like, I broke my ankle. I'm heading to the hospital. You heard an audible. This is a worthy sidebar. You heard an audible sound, right? That you were like, that's my femur snapping. It was so loud. I thought I might have like broken my femur. It made such a loud sound. Okay, turn away if you're squeamish. But like, I'm laughing because it's okay. (laughs) Yeah, I kept saying to the doctor, I was like, no, I heard it break. And he's like, no, you just heard it like come way out of the socket and snap back in. That's what makes that loud cracking sound. But anyway, I mean, my ankle is like swollen two times its size and black. Like, it's really yucky. It's a bad, bad sprain. I couldn't put any weight on it for a couple of days. So I'm crutching around the house. And as you know, on crutches, like, you can't lift anything. I'm useless, basically. And my husband is doing twice as much work and doing everything. But I was just crutching into my little studio to record. And I realized, like, the house is a disaster. You know what I mean? Like, there's stuff everywhere. The kitchen is 
overflowing in dishes. Right. There's 14. I asked my husband to run laundry, which he did this weekend, but like didn't get folded. So it's like piles of laundry everywhere. And it's been eight days. Like this is what happens when one of the cogs in the machine stops working for eight days. Right. And within that, I was still able to do all the homeschooling, you know, stay on top of them about taking their showers. Like I was doing probably 50% of my tasks. But you're not doing like the whirling dervish, like counter to counter to room to this to right. You're not doing that. Yeah, I'm not doing the constant hum of like must clean up that sack, then put them by that door, and then I will do then. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the like never leave a room without something in your hand to go into a room that's in the room where it doesn't belong. Like I'm just always that. I'm always tidying. As I move through my life. And when you stop, you notice it right away. Oh, you sure do. Come look at my house, Amy. You will notice it. I have a study that directly relates to that. And I'm going to tell you about it when we come back. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro aunt at this (laughs) point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Okay, are you ready for my study about messy houses? I know you are. I mean, I'm living in that study right now. I cannot imagine you're going to tell me something I don't know. And yet I am, (laughs) I will say I'm available for your study without being excited for your study. Will you accept that answer? Yes, because I think it's very interesting. Like I took, where was I? I did, I forget where I was that I was sort of like not available for most of a weekend day recently. And my house looked like, (laughs) it looked like a tornado blew through it. I'm like, do you guys see I'm the only one who puts a shoe 
shoe in the shoe basket or puts the, you know, closes the door. And this is what this study showed. So this study is pre-pandemic. It's from Sociological Methods and Research. I know you subscribe. Oh, yeah. No, I've already read this study, Amy. I got my uh, issue last week, so don't worry about it. They wanted to see. So the question they had because of something like this, when you're like, does nobody else pick up? Do women perceive mess differently than men do? Do women see it differently, have a different threshold for it? Are we wired differently? And that's why we pick the stuff up and everybody else just leaves it on the floor. Okay. I'm interested in this because I'm generally very messy. So I would like to know. Right. Well, yeah, that's right. And there are messy women, messy men, whatever. So they had this, they want to know if people had different standards, but also different expectations around doing the work of cleaning it up. So they had, you know, a couple hundred people, men and women, they were shown pictures of a relatively clean or a really pretty messy room. And they were told that it was either John's room or Jennifer's room. They were told that it belonged to either a man or a woman, and they were very neutral spaces, so it could go either way. And then once they were told, like, look at this picture, this is John's room. How clean is this room on a scale of one to 100? How messy is this room? So sorry, it was like clean was one. The lower the score, the cleaner it was. The higher the score, the messier it was. Okay. And then they asked them, how important is it that this room get cleaned up in this picture? And who's going to clean it up in the picture? So... The study found that women and men do not perceive mess differently, that our numbers for how messy or clean a room is are the same. People would look at the room the same, but we would both say if it was a woman's room, that the room was way messier than if it was a man's room. So the same picture. If it was John's room, it was 50 points. And if it was Jennifer's room, it was 80 points. It was a messier room if it belonged to a woman. What the heck am I learning from this study? I don't understand. They could both see that it was messy and that it needed to be cleaned up, but it was a messier room if it was a woman's room than a man's room because a woman is more responsible for mess than a man is. That's I see it. The perception is that the woman's room should be cleaner. Exactly. And that a messy room is way messier if it's a woman's room than if it's a man's room. And then they were asked, who who's going to clean up this room? And if it was Jennifer's room, they'd say, Jennifer's going to clean it. And if it was John's messy room, they would say, yeah, his wife's going to clean it. He'll get a cleaning person to come in and clean it. (laughs) God knows John's not doing it. Yeah. That's uh, right. Yeah. And this is also, and we've talked about this in the Invisible Workload episode and a lot of times, and this is like such a marital fight, and it's such a marital fight for a reason, which is when... My husband forgets birthdays of his family members. Who does that reflect badly on, Amy? You, right. I mean, you shouldn't, but it does. Right. When people stop by and my house is a mess, no matter how much I have contributed to that mess, who does that reflect badly on? Right. You, but me. But your beliefs that that is true, which it is true are contributing to the perpetuation of us doing more of the cleaning up, right? Because you are internalizing like, uh, what will people think of me if they come over and this room looks like this? That our husbands, that men do kind of not, they don't They don't have that gene. Internalize the messy house as being representative of them because nobody would ever think that it was. Right, but that's not fixable, right? Like that's not a variable. It's genders playing into it, their beliefs, but there is no, well, we just see mess differently than men. Like take that off the plate. We're not just just better at it. He can see the rappers. He just steps over them to torture me. Is that why? That's right. 
The conclusion of the study was that men and women can perceive equally what needs to be done, but they're just fine ignoring. I mean, I'm fine. I'm messy. And my husband is medium messy. I'm messier than him. And so we tend towards a level of medium to extreme mess, I would say, is our baseline. But I don't, the mess gives me agita and I don't like chaos and mess. And so I break much easier than he does. Even if no one's coming over, I just am like, I can't live like this. And I clean. And I don't think I would not even dare to try to find my husband's breaking point where he would utter the phrase, I can't live like this. Because like people would be dead. It would be an episode of Hoarders before he would utter that phrase. Yes. Right. (laughs) Right. Something would fall on you. The cat would be under the bookcase. Yeah. Oh, no. We would be crushed by debris before he would ever say, I can't live like this anymore. Yep. He's like, yeah, it's all right. And there's another thing that that plays into this. So we're much more likely to do the work of keeping the house clean because it bothers us sooner because we think the world is going to judge us sooner. But we are also much less likely to be rewarded. Like we've definitely talked about on this podcast and you see it all the time. Like when your husband, you know, runs the vacuum, tell him how hot that is or whatever. Like, oh, God. No, thank you. I can think of one time that my husband was like, aren't you going to thank me for loading the dishwasher? I'm like, aren't you going to thank me for that like 11 million times? Aren't you going to feel sad when I go to prison for murdering you with this omelet pan? No, I'm not going to thank you. That's what an adult does around here. But, you know, generally the world. We should do an episode that is things our moms used to say that we now find ourselves saying. Although it probably wouldn't last an entire episode. But... My mother shrieking, we don't have a maid, is like such a part of my childhood memories. And now I say it like 400 times a day. <laughs> as the kids like walk by with Capri Sun straw wrappers and like toss them into the air as if like the magical elves will come and shunt them away into the garbage pail. It's just cockroaches and Capri Sun wrappers they are going to be left at the end. I know, at the end of time. Yeah, I think probably the solution is to never buy Capri Sun again, but... Hopefully, they don't want to sponsor this podcast. Hopefully not. But yeah, it's definitely the thing of like, I am just like the like angry Irish washerwoman, like following everyone around and shrieking at them with like a baking pin roller. Do you know what Darcy, one of our listeners, calls it rage cleaning? And I'm like, oh, yes, I feel seen, Darcy. She says that the way she deals with this, her always messy house. She says, I binge podcasts while I rage clean because nobody ever leaves my damn house. So my workload has doubled. <laughs> Hi, Darcy. You're probably rage cleaning right now while you live. Yep. Yep. We see you, Darcy. Her workload has doubled. And the worst part, she says, is when other people she knows say that they are bored. Like anybody who says they're bored right now deserves like a punch in the nose. Well, that our pandemic rule is, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, when anyone says they're bored, I find them something to clean. That's the rule in our house. <laughs> But what if your friend was like, oh, I was so bored. I like started playing the guitar. Would you give her some dishes? No, it's not her problem. She didn't make the mess. That's not her problem. I'm not going to yell at her, but I will rage clean later. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people who keep very clean houses and we just we're not those people. I don't even rage clean. I do. I will say one thing I have come around to during the pandemic and it has been game changing Everybody cleans. Yes. And so there's a lot of like nothing happens in this house until this room is clean. And I was at a point before the pandemic where the 
constant whining and slow walking of the cleanup was enough to break me. And I would just kind of be like, forget it. I'll just do it while they're at school. Those days are done. They clean themselves. I mean, screens are a great motivator. Like we have two screen times a day and no screens until it's clean. Screens when it's clean. That's our rule. You love a rhyming rule, Amy, and I've got one for you. It is remarkable. Screens when it's clean. I love it. It's, it is remarkable, like, when you have family dinner, it's like, okay, everybody, no, I don't, it's much easier when school isn't happening. My high schoolers are like, they have, like, 11 hours of work a night. I'm like, yeah, we're all going to clean up after dinner. And they moan and complain. But if five people clean up after dinner, it takes uh, five or 10 minutes. And when one person cleans up after dinner, it's an hour. Yeah. Oh, yes, indeed. And it's also just practical right now, because we were talking about on another episode and like great suggestions, guys, for how to organize our houses around homeschooling because remote learning. Oh, yeah. Because it's also just now my living room table is a classroom. And so there's pencils and papers and binders. There are three laptops in my house that are plugged in in different. I mean, the amount of mess is not sustainable for me to clean up. And now that I am down to one leg, it's much worse. And so I have definitely solved that by being like, I'm sorry. And I will say my husband works really hard around the house. There are days where he does much, much more than I do. And so it's kind of like we're dad and I are maxed out. We are working as hard as we know how to work and the house still isn't clean. I guess you three need to get involved. It's because we're all, I mean, there is just is objectively more mess, more to clean up. There's just more of it because we're all home all the time. But I do think the differing perceptions can come into play. I had a discussion with my spouse about doing more around, you know, mealtime, everything, right? The meal shopping, planning this, which we've gotten systems around and they definitely help. But I was sort of like, I need you to step it up. And he said, like, I really can't, like, I can't handle being responsible for 50% of the meal stuff. And I was like, 50%? (laughs) Like, I'm asking for 20. I'm asking you to take it from 10% to 20%. Like the the thing that we're responsible for has gotten so much larger. And so even if your spouse who does a lot less, like they are doing more than they usually do, for sure. He took it from zero to 20%. But he's like, I'm not going to do 50%. I'm like, no, how about 23%? That would be great. (laughs) That would be a statistically vast improvement. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, my husband for sure does 50% in our house, which is unusual. But we also have a very specific lifestyle in which we both work from home and he keeps kind of California hours. So he's pretty free in the morning. We have a very good division of labor and he works harder than I do, honestly. I'm the problem, as I always say, when we talk about these things. Like, he could have a podcast where he's like, could you just go to 50%? And I'll be like, I'll give you 23. That's all I've got. Like, I'm, <laughs> we're in the reverse marriage, basically. You're the monster. I am the monster. But <laughs> the one thing I will say is it's seeing the mess. That's the problem. It's seeing the problems, you know? Yes. And I mean, my husband never, ever, he does the shopping because I don't like to interact with humans. So he goes to the grocery store, but he would never sit down, make a meal plan and be like, let's do this this night. You know, he doesn't think two steps ahead. He takes direction well. That's what I will say. And then he works so hard, but it's a different, there's still that invisible workload of like, when are we doing this? When are we doing this? When are we doing, you know, the thought process four steps out is always me. The invisible workload has gotten so much larger during the pandemic, right? And one possible silver lining of all this would be that the spouse who doesn't do the invisible work 
and doesn't even know that there is invisible work is seeing a little more of it. Just like your kid is in the background of your Zoom call a lot more and you can't pretend that you aren't a parent and a lawyer. (laughs) Might it also be that some of this invisible work is becoming visible to the people in our house? Yes, it might be. It might be. There was a study that actually looked at that. So Washington University, there's a sociologist named Caitlin Collins who wondered this. So many people were working from home and this might be a silver lining. So she wanted to study. Can we see that the invisible workload is becoming more visible to men and would therefore spur more equal participation? And the answer was no. (laughs) They see it and they don't care. They know the house is messy and they just are better ignoring it and that the increased demands have indeed just fallen on women more. All right, downer of an ending for our second half. Downer of an ending. There's a reason, so let's talk about the reasoning behind that when we get back. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts, so we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter, and I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. More and more, you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. And whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, 7 essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate. Interesting. My high schooler likes the lemon lime, and she keeps a few handy in her backpack for days that she has practiced after school. These electrolytes have the sodium and the potassium that you need to go with it in the optimal ratio for daily hydration. Visit sportsresearch.com and use code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's sportsresearch, S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate electrolytes order. And now, your guide to learned helplessness. From the What Fresh Help podcast. My husband at work. Our quarterly differentials are up by 0.97. That's short of our hard goal of 1.24. So with a 0.45 restructure by next acquisition period, we should make up one six of our dividend with a margin of error of 0.46. My husband at home. Uh, honey, couldn't figure out how to fit the egg pan in the dishwasher, so I'm just going to let it soak. 
my seventh grader at school. In a school, 50% of the students are younger than 10. One twentieth are 10 years old and one tenth are older than 10, but younger than 12. The remaining 20 students are 12 years or older. How many students are 10 years old? Uh, oh, easy. That's 10 students. My seventh grader at home. Set the oven to 400 degrees? What does that even mean? Can't you just do it? My husband watching football. This guy right here, Johnson, he was drafted by Kansas and ran for 1,123 yards his first season after red shooting for two years. When he transferred to Notre Dame, he rushed 2640 over two years before getting drafted by the Bears April 23rd. The kids already had 752 yards this season. My husband on our anniversary. Oh, honey, listen, I'm sorry. I forgot it was today. You know I'm not good with numbers. My son turning on a video game. Come on, Mom. You just changed the HDMI cable from the Axle 2 slot to the high-def input on the left, and then you select input. Okay, then grab the remote and hit high-def. Mom, not high-def 1, high-def 2, and then you hit transfer input, and that switches it over to the digital stream. Come on. My son in the laundry room. Select water temperature. I can't do this. My husband while driving. It's easy. You take the 84 to the 62 interchange, then stay in the left lane to exit over the bridge. But listen, if you see a backup on Broadway from the overpass, then you get right and take 16 west instead. My husband looking for the mustard that is in the cabinet right in front of his face. Wait, where is it? In the front by the spices. What? Honey, come here. I can't find it. This has been your guide to learned helplessness. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. All right, Amy, what is the reason? And the reason is you. I don't know why that just came to me. <laughs> they found, you know, it was yet another study. They studied people during the pandemic, couples with kids under 13 at home from between February and April. I want to know who's agreeing to be studied during the pandemic. Like, I would like to peek behind that curtain. Oh, it's me. I'd be there with like a frying pan in the doorway. Like, go ahead. Ask him how often he cleans this. I want to know. <laughs> I just cannot imagine being like, you know what I'd like during this time? Someone studying my behavior. Someone studying you. No, that would not be happening. So they found that mothers reduced their work hours during the pandemic four to five times more than dads. As the at-home work increase, the moms just scale back their work hours to meet it. So they were like, oh, no. So no, the invisible work is just, there's more of it and it's just being done more by moms. And so they said in the study that they don't think, this is a quote, we don't think that it's that fathers are trying to skirt their labor. It's not out of malice. It's the cumulative effect of a lot of small interactions. But this is what I said in the beginning, right? About like, there is no Mr. Burns being like, hey, 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 we will design a system. Like, that's right. It's just fallback positions that are negative. Right. Or that have negative consequences. Right. And they just happen in little ways, like my daughter texting me to help her get lunch when my husband was in the same room with her and all of us just assuming that's how it goes. As I was researching an episode literally about this, right? (laughs) It just shows you how ingrained. Isn't it ironic? Yeah. I'm just going to sing. I'm just going to punctuate your points with bad songs from the 90s for the rest of this episode. Don't you think? Yeah, it's not great, Amy. It's not great. No, but I think that there are, we have to fight back, I think, against the sort of learned helplessness. With omelet pans? Yes. Are you calling for revolution, like a Handmaid's Tale style revolution? Revolution! Take up arms, ladies. 
my revolution in the omelet pan has just been now that he needs it, you know, every day, it's just, just like, just leave it in the sink. Right. Like, is I don't eat. Have I underlined that there have been omelets made for 180 days now in my house and I don't like eggs and I don't eat omelets. And so I just decided after a while that there just was no reason for me to clean the pan because I don't care if it's clean for tomorrow morning. I don't eat omelets. Yes. I believe you have made your position on the omelet pan over the course of 176 episodes very clear extremely clear but it's still there it's still often there but i can make it not my problem i like it that's all you can do make it not your problem but the learned helplessness that our family members can well i don't know where that's i don't know where the stapler lives you know that kind of thing is we have some ownership in that this is, I think, the key. And this is something that you use a phrase that has transformed my life, Amy. I don't know. A couple of episodes back, you used the phrase yo-yo dinner. Yes. Never heard of it before. Yep. Guess what I've announced twice since then? Yo-yo dinner. It's yo-yo dinner. And my kids are 11, 9, and 8, right? They're not grown folk. But they can get mac and cheese out, heat it up in the microwave and eat it. They don't eat a vegetable with yo-yo dinner. They don't like take time. My daughter is obsessed with carrots. She'll always eat carrots. But my 11-year-old, he turned 12 last week. He's now a 12-year-old. Happy birthday to him. Oh my gosh. He likes pizza rolls. I mean, could there be anything? I'm like, if you're 12 and you can't make pizza rolls, you deserve to starve. I'm sorry. That's how it's going to go. Right. Then I have failed. Right. Right. And so the oven for the pizza rolls, guys, if you don't know this, some people eat acai bowls. Is that what it's called? Acai bowls. Acai bowls. We're just rolling with sausage and pepperoni pizza rolls over here. But... You take out a pan, you line it with parchment paper because they tend to explode. Whatever the chemical mass is inside of a pizza roll, it's not stable under hot temperatures, so it tends to just explode in different directions. So line the thing, put it to 400, put it in the oven, wait 10 minutes, take it out of the oven. Now, I will say our oven, our whole house is built crazily, so like there's not enough room on either side of the oven to like get close to the oven you have to really reach over the whole door to grab stuff out which my child is afraid of which i kind of understand do you know what i'm saying like sometimes you can sneak around the side of the oven door to get something that you need to grab out but because of the way our kitchen is built you have to really like reach all the way into the oven over the door so he's scared of that part because it could burn him because as we already mentioned the oven's at 425 so i have made the deal he has to do all parts of the pizza roll and then i will come grab them out of the oven because he's scared of burning himself which he's not wrong right and that'll go away once he gets used to putting it in then yeah and it's a tallness factor too he's like five feet tall now but you need the long arm to do the reach over the door. So I'm like, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I don't want you to burn yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And guess what? My daughter can make an insoluble by herself, too. I mean, she wasn't feeling well. But even so, we need to... The yo-yo dinner, by the way, we didn't say it stands for you're on your own dinner. And Lisa Damore wrote about it in one of her articles for the Washington Post. And it was like some lady said it. She quoted somebody in the article saying it. So it's, it is the best idea of 2020 that you just say to your family... You're on your own tonight. Like, I don't care what you have for dinner. Like, I'm going to have a bowl of cereal because that's me. I could have cheese and crackers and a glass of wine on a Tuesday night and be the happiest of people. Well, this came up because my dad was stopping by and it was around dinner time. And so we decided to get taken Indian food. (laughs) And my kids were like, we don't want to eat that. And I was like, that's fine. Then you can either have this or you can have or you yo-yo dinner. And they all yo-yoed and it was totally fine. And that, I think 
is the only hope for us in this equation, which is I, for some reason, I think of myself as like pretty hands off with my kids. <laughs> Somebody dropped a kid off for a play date the other day. We haven't been doing play dates. It was our first play date. And I said, you know, they, the kids were wearing masks, stay outside. It was a nice day in New York. They're running around the backyard. And I said to the mom, who I know, but I was like, I just want to make sure that you're clear that like I don't interact with the kids for the two hours that they're here. I will be inside if someone gets hurt and they can come get me, but I'm not actually going to watch them. And she was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. But they're whatever. They're nine years old. And I just was like, I just is that OK with you? Because some people, you know, would be like, wait, what happened? You weren't watching them. It was like, no, I don't watch kids. They play by themselves. But I do realize that for some reason, the homeschooling brings out in me the like, who is the mean teacher from Matilda? That's who I become when I'm remote learning. Miss Trunchbull. I am Miss Trunchbull. Whenever home learning starts, I just, it's like my incredible Hulk moment, but I transform into Miss Trunchbull. And I'm like the meanest, most like demanding, crazy person ever. And this is somewhere where like I'm giving myself the workload of remote learning must go perfectly and they must turn in seven assignments a day, class by class by class. And like, I got to cut it out. Why am I doing this to myself? What, are they going to fail fifth grade? I doubt it. Yeah, I mean, I can hear our listeners in our monologues right now like, yeah, but my kid's in 11th grade, but my kid has special needs. Like, yes, there are some, it's not as easy as saying like, eh, we're going to do what we feel like. I mean, it's a nice idea. And for some people, it's not really an option. But nor is all of us doing 40% more. Like, that's not long-term tenable either. Yeah, I just think it's, and we've said this Every time we talk about the pandemic, which is if you've met one person dealing with the pandemic, you've met one person. Everybody has different horrible circumstances that are affecting them as part of trying to survive 2020. And so it's difficult to give advice that fits everybody because it's like, wait, but I wait, but I wait, but I. And yes, it is. It's there's no solution that will fit you. But the only thing that is keeping me sane are two things. Number one, everybody does more. And then I accept my role that I have to be kind of the general and nobody likes the general and that's okay with me. You know, like I'd rather be fun, but I'm willing to be the general who's like, this is what needs to get done today, go. And nothing fun happens until this thing is done. And the other thing is that I have to let go a little bit around the remote learning that like, Things get lost in the shuffle and we're doing the best we can. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of a particular case right now where I need my son to log in to his portal to fill out a form that's due Thursday because I can't log in. It's only his login that works. And, you know, it's running. It's an open program on my uh, taking up my CPU all week because I've brought it up like you need to do this. You need to do this. Just bring me your computer and I'll show you where it is. You need to do this. And And he hasn't done it. And, you know, I need to let him fail and not hand it in, I guess, except it's kind of important. It's but taking a step back from this stuff is really all we have. I think that you can say it's pick your battles, too. Right. So I have a fifth grader. The remote learning is pretty complicated. He's got because of the town we live in and its strangeness, we do, um, it's middle school, fifth grade. So he's got the like seven classes, you know? And what ends up happening is he starts period one and he's very distractible. So Mm -hmm. he starts period one 
And, you know, he's half playing with his monkey. Okay, put the monkey away. I mean, he doesn't have a monkey. I'm talking about like a stuffy. He's half, you know, doodling. He loves to draw. And so then I'm like, doing it wrong. You're going to concentrate. And I can't really let him fly completely solo because there is a possibility that like at the end of the day, he'd be like, look at this battle I drew on this piece of paper and I would have nothing done. But yeah. me sitting right next to him and being like, click this next. Do you know the answer? Is it 42? Yes, it is. Okay, let's keep... I've literally been like sitting and just like feeding him the answers while screaming at him. That's got to stop. And so I think you've got to find your own space on the spectrum. And I think it's fair to say, hey, our priorities for tonight are, I need everyone to clean up this room for me. I need you to fill out this form for me. And like, we're not going, we've had to put showering on that list because we're like feral animals around here. And every once in a while, I'm like, oh, what's that horrible smell? It's one of the family members. And okay, you can't do screens. You can't do anything else until you've had a shower. And so I think the solution is somewhere in there. Like, I do not think it makes sense because it's so stressful for you for him not to fill out that form. That's not really his failing. That's going to stink for you. Right. He's not really ever going to care. They told us last night on like the back to school Zoom night, your kid needs to fill out this form by Thursday. It's like, all right, this would have been done 10 days ago if you allowed me. It's nonsense. But you just said something that I think that I hear myself saying. You said that I need to say, I need you to fill out this form for me. And it's not for me. And it's he needs, you need to fill out this form. Right. And I find myself saying all the time, will you help me get dinner ready? Will you help me set the table? It's not helping me. It's set the table. And then they give me a hard time about it. And then I turn to, that's when I get Miss Trunchbully. It's about like, I do everything around here. And, you know, that kind of thing. But I don't like that my choices are do it myself and rage clean or be Miss Trunchbully about it because everybody sees that the house is messy and you've just decided to ignore it because I'll do it. Oh, Amy, I think I have an insight for you that has just come to me. Okay. Okay. What is it? This, as I said, I saw I'm on crutches and my foot is really hurting me. Like when I put it down, I like wince in pain. It's getting better, but it has been that way. And I have found that this week, because I have an extremely visible injury, my kids are much more willing to help me, you know, which is like the story is, hey, could you grab this for me? Because they know I can't get up because they know that like, I really can't do it. And so they are much more like, we're on mom's team helping her out. And they've been like 10 times more helpful Mm. because I think they're also a little bit worried because when it happened, I was like at the hospital, it wasn't really clear what was going on. So they were worried. And like, I think they're glad I'm back. I'm fine. It's not that bad. And I think that you're right. Like rather than like do this for me because I'm Miss Trunchbull and I am your overlord. Like, can we find that place where we're coming from? Like, can you help me? Cause I need help. Might be helpful. Oh, you're saying so even lean into it more. Like, I need help. Mm-hmm. Lean into it more. Like, hey, I really need help. Can you help me? I feel like kids generally are like, yes, I can. Where it's like, do this for me because you are my minion and I am Mrs. Trunchbull. <laughs> That's a bad dynamic. And so I think maybe the lesson from my ankle is like, it's not just coming from, it's coming from a place of a little bit more vulnerability, you know? Like, hey, I'm real tired. I can't do this all. Can you guys pitch it and help me? It's not like they're going to be like, yes, darling mother. Of course we'd like to. But I think you're right to pick up on the thing of, I need you to do this for me. And sort of changing the story to like, hey, we've got five things to do tonight. Let's get them done. And then everybody can do whatever they want to do. And being like the leader of that 
and not just being like Miss Trunchbull that's like, I've told you for 10 days to get this form done. It's like if it's taken a million small interactions to get to this place where everybody just assumes that if there's 40% more work to do, mom's just going to do it. It's going to take small interactions to reset that as well, right? I mean, we can try like, it's going to be pretty different around here, but that's not enough to, to really reset it. I think that's right. But I do think that like we have to lead that reset. That like what we've learned today is like no one else is looking around and being like, this must be really hard for mom. That phrase is in zero people's heads. And so I think from a place of like not bitterness, if we can, but from a place of like, you know, sprained ankle vulnerability, maybe is to say, hey, team, I need a little bit more help because I'm really like down right now. Not depressed. You know, I'm not talking about like layering emotional stuff on it, but just like, hey, team, I'm having trouble. I need a little help for my teammates. If you can come from that point of view, my guess is the results will be better. Yeah. All right. I think you solved it. Solved it. Kind of. I mean, it stinks, guys. <laughs> it stinks. It stinks and it stinks. Yes, the pandemic is harder on moms. I mean, that's sort of my takeaway from this. Like, come talk to us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we did solve it. The answer is yes. It's a yes. And that's our solve. But that's why we do our episodes. And that's why we have our Facebook page and our group and everybody comes and talks about it. And I feel better talking about it with you and, you know, reading what everybody's saying on our Facebook page. So thanks for doing that. There's a lot of validation going on on Facebook, guys. Come find us there, facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhellcast and join the group. We're also on Instagram and Pinterest at whatfreshhellcast and we're on Twitter at WFH podcast. And I love my studies. As you know, there were some interesting ones today. So I'm going to put the links up and the show page right where you're listening right now or on our website, which is whatfreshhellpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, guys. We see you out there. Stay strong. We see you. That's right. Miss Trunchbull. <laughs> we salute all the Trunchbulls out there. And we'll talk to you next week. So long. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, 
tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 